Could you have a $10 million business? Does growing a business to 10 million or more sound like almost unbelievable? Well, my guest today is the $10 million woman, Miss Susie Carter. Susie has grown 10 businesses to the 10 plus million mark. And now she helps entrepreneurs do the same in their business. She's a globally recognized profitability coach. She's the inventor of the predictable success method. She's the author of 10 books. Her latest, Power Your Profits, is something we're going to be talking about on this episode. The biggest thing about Susie, though, is she's fun and she makes entrepreneurship fun and uh, really makes you realize that, yes, going from 10,000 to 10 million isn't as unbelievable as you might think it is. Look, I don't want to waste any more time. I want to get Susie on here. So grab a cool drink, sit back, enjoy this episode with Susie Carter of What's the Secret Podcast. Tired of being at the mercy of your job? Tired of watching your hard work fill someone else's bank account? Want control of your time and lifestyle? Well, if you want the real secrets, the gurus won't tell you of how ordinary people just like you and me can create thriving businesses that deliver financial and lifestyle freedom, you're in the right place. Aloha. My name's Tom Gaddis, and welcome to What's the Secret Podcast. Welcome to What's the Secret Podcast, Susie Carter. How are you doing today? I'm great, and I got a secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're all about what's the secret here. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, the secret is math is money, and money is fun. <laughs> money is fun. That is true. That is true. Man, I'm so excited you took time out to come and uh, join me here on this episode. Uh, I know you have a lot going on, lots of super super amazing things, which some of them we're going to talk about on the show today, but maybe for listeners who haven't come across Susie Carter before, maybe you can tell them who you are, how you got here. I will. So my background is, uh, my vocation was I was a hairdresser. So that's always an interesting hairdresser to strategic business consultant running, you know, eight to $10 million companies. Isn't that the track everyone takes? I think it is, right? (laughs) So that was my first love, my first vocation, you know, built a million dollar business in that industry as a hairdresser. I did a quarter of a million dollars a year. Most hairdressers do 30 grand a year. So I just have this magic with money, you know, and finding money, leveraging money. I like nice things. That's really the truth of it. (laughs) Grew up poor. And so built one of the largest training and development companies in the beauty industry because I wanted to help my peers, my industry monetize their success. 15% of anybody's financial success, doesn't matter what your vocation is, only 15% of your financial success is based on your technical ability. And most people as entrepreneurs, we we focus on that vocation. But where the magic is, where the juice is, the sales, the marketing, the operations, and the finance, right? And that's what I focus on, is I focus on the tactical things that get us the money. You're great at whatever your vocation is. I'm not going to be an expert trying to teach you that. You already know that. I want to look at how many leads are coming in, how many qualified leads are coming in, what's your closing conversion, how are you mapping out your finances, right? Are you playing big? Are you playing small? 
So my goal, my passion is finding the money. And there's money everywhere. When you really open up your eyes, you can see there's money everywhere and opportunity and partnerships, money that's sitting on the table, clients that you have to follow up with. There are hundreds of thousands of dollars with clients that you just forgot to follow up with. <laughs> as entrepreneurs, I know this one for myself. I was like, oh, I forgot about that client. So crazy. So that's, that's, and you know, I've written 10 books. My newest book called Power Your Profit was published by Simon & Schuster. And very excited about this book. This is my journey of building 10 companies, two $10 million companies, seven multi-million dollar companies. And it doesn't have to be hard. It has to be strategic. Only 1.7% of small businesses, Tom, hit that million dollar mark. That is bananas. That is outrageous. That is just silly, right? To go, why are not more people doing it? And I think one, we make it too hard. And two, they just don't know what the systems are to follow it. Like what's the quickest way to cash? What's the quickest way to monetize what you're doing and how you're doing it? Yeah, your book, Power Your Profits, which I have right here, by the way. Look at that. I have it right there. I haven't yeah. read it yet, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> it's in his to-do list. <laughs> what is the to, does the to-do list ever get to done, though? That's the problem, right? As an well, entrepreneur. I think what I love about this book is I didn't write it sequential because we are not sequential as entrepreneurs. We're A, B, Z, cucumber, zebra. <laughs> so I give you suck at math and go to chapter eight. Math is money. Money is fun. If you don't know how to close sales, go right to page 199. Go get my sales script. I close $150,000 clients with that script all the time. I close two this month already and it's only the six. That's $300,000 in six days by following that script. I've been using that script for 25 years and I still pull it up every call because I am a coach. I am chatty Kathy. I will talk and I'm like, let's just follow the system, Susie. Follow the system. <laughs> well, you know, what I think is interesting about the book, because, you know, going from 10,000 to 10 million to most, you know, that stat you said, 1.7% barely even get to the million mark, Right. That leads me to believe that most people, and uh, I would lump myself into this category, when when I think about starting a business, the idea of a $10 million business seems so uh, just not doable, right? Like it seems yeah. so like so much just like wishful thinking. Like if you were to run around and be like, yeah, I want to grow this to $10 million business, your friends would be like, well, Tom has gone off the deep end. Like we <laughs> might as well get him some professional help, Right. So I know, and in in you address several things in the book, you know, from uh, building a team, from operations, from sales, all that stuff. But you start off with mindset, which I, you know, I know a lot of people talk about mindset and uh, you, you're, if, if you're in the entrepreneur space, like learning about entrepreneurship, you're probably sick of hearing about, um, you know, mindset. But I just wanted to know your kind of like, what's your big takeaway on that? Or like, what are the, what are maybe the one or two, uh, I like to call them mind shifts. Like what are the one or two mind shifts that someone needs to take that really makes that, you know, getting to that 10 million mark uh, reasonable? Because I know you mentioned in your intro, you said, you know, you, you came from a poor family. I, I came from a poor family too. So this concept that I should have money or whatever is, was just really foreign to me. Well, I think one, when you realize the difference between 10,000 and 10 million is three zeros. <laughs> Right. So the only difference is how many zeros we have. And so when you realize that, it's like, oh, I'm making it way too hard. The first thing when you look at mindset around money is money beliefs are inherited. They're not even yours. You grew up with a belief system. My belief system as a kid was there is none, don't ask. Right. I don't know what yours were, but that's what I learned about money is there is none, don't ask. 
My dad did give me a healthy one and said, Sue, you can do whatever you want, have whatever you want. Just go get a job and work hard. Now, in my later life, I had to get rid of the work hard part. (laughs) I don't have to kill myself, but it comes from generational, like from what your family says. It comes from culturally, whatever ethnic culture you come from. There's money beliefs. There comes from the community that you're in, right? They come from a spiritual community. So if you go to church, like what are all those beliefs that you inherited and then at, we're adults now, we can make up our own beliefs, right? We don't have to follow what our parents did or our grandparents did. That got them where they are. But now what I want you to look at is what's new for you? What's possible for you? I had to reinvent my whole relationship with money, right? And so part of you understanding why you're not attracting the money or why you're spending the money, because look, I was really good at making it, but I actually was spending a lot of it. I made a million, but I spent a million and one. That didn't make me any more prosperous. <laughs> I was just as broke as I was, you know, making a hundred grand. So it's understanding how can I reframe my money beliefs? Let me create a new money mantra. Let me create a new money belief system so that I can live the life that I choose to live versus being inside of a circumstance. Yeah. Well, and, and how did you, how did you do that? Like, how did you, re, you know, how did you reframe that, you know, that idea, I guess, cause you know, look, and I've gone through this. Uh, started, I've started to have some success in business, small success. Right. But it's like, you start having a little bit of success, especially when you come from a family that didn't have money, you didn't grow up with money, all that stuff. You know, it's really easy to go, Hey, I'm working hard for this. Like I deserve a little, uh, something, something extra, you know, I, I deserve this. I deserve that. So, you know, how did you, how did you overcome that? How did you like, how were you able to reframe that so that you actually started to keep more of the money you were making? The first thing I had to do was realize what was I already thinking about money. My, I had a lack of money conversation. There was never enough and I didn't have any. Didn't matter how much money I had, it was always there was never enough. So I created this money mantra and I still to this day, when I have a bill and I'm paying a bill, right? I, I say this prayer, I bless the bill. Money comes in, I bless my WePay account. <laughs> I bless my, bless my infusion song. And it's, I'm prosperous, I'm prosperous, I'm prosperous now. All that I have, all that I love, blesses and multiplies. And so my relationship with money, my relationship with blessings, my relationship with wealth completely shifted because it comes and it blesses and multiplies. Who I am, my contribution to the world is I'm rewarded financially for my contributions to the world. Not for a job, for my contributions, for my gifts. All that I had to reframe versus they can't afford it. That's a, that's a belief that many entrepreneurs have. We're afraid to say the price because we're, we're spending people's money. Get your hand out of your client's pocketbook. Let them choose. Show them, sell results, don't show, sell your service. We get into selling our service or the process and nobody cares about that. All they care about is the result. I help businesses double, triple, quadruple their revenues. Okay, that's sexy, right? I don't say, and how we do that is we, we don't even get into the how until I show them the money. And then they're like, well, how are you going to do that? Well, let me show you how we're going to do that, right? But first you got to talk about possibility for yourself. It has to start with you. You can't make millions if you're in a poverty mindset. You've got to shift that. Right. And we talk about it from looking at your money beliefs, looking at your leadership, looking at everything. You'll start to see a theme. Every chapter in my book, I have you do an assessment so you can see your blind spots. You can't look at my blind spots and go, oh, I get that. Look at your own blind spots. See, where am I lacking? Where am I lacking in my financial management? 
Mine was early in the day. I didn't want to look at the money. Just tell me how much I needed to make. I didn't want to look at how much I was spending. I got confused when I looked at my QuickBooks. I got overwhelmed. And that's a lot of entrepreneurs. So I finally said, I got to figure this shit out because I'm not going to make any money if I'm keeping naive, right? I would sit down with my accountant and I would just want to cry. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to create, I got to create it for myself. So I understand it. I'm not an accountant, not a CPA. And I manage millions and millions of dollars every single year for myself and for my clients. And they're through my rogue spreadsheets, right? <laughs> not CPA spreadsheets, they're city spreadsheets. How many qualified leads do I need every single month? That's in chapter um, eight as well. You need to look at, I need 20 qualified leads to close one person if you're doing internet marketing. 20 qualified leads. That's not 25 leads, that's qualified. People who actually want what you have and can swipe their credit card. It's not just looky-loos. So depending on your closing ratio, but online that closing ratio is higher. Right, you got more people coming in looking at you because we're so distracted. So when you look at all your financial success, boils down to a mathematic equation. And if you hate math, we got to have a breakthrough in it because it can be fun, right? I've just created a game for myself is to really look at how do I make this part of my business fun. Now I love it, and I show my clients how to do it. Right, to take simple, look, I get, give me three numbers, I'll show you where you're leaving money on the table. Right, should give me your service sales, retail sales, the number of clients, and I will find you another 50 grand, another 100 grand, another million. Right, again, doesn't have to be hard, has to be systemic. I just got off with a client on the phone with a client, and her pricing, you know, and we all do this we pull our pricing out of our genius zone or your hiney, <laughs> and we go, oh, well, Tom's charging 5,000, Susie's charging 10,000, so I'm gonna charge 3,500. Well, that has nothing to do with how we should price our services. So if you have a formula, then you know, based on your overhead, based on your profitability, based on your expenses, that's how we determine your prices. Yes, you have to look at what the market will bear, but nine times out of 10 entrepreneurs, we undervalue, underprice, because we think that's what's going to get the client. When some of you are losing clients because you're too cheap, right? If you're too cheap for a service, that I know should be more, I immediately discredit you. And so does your client. So if I look at that qualified client, I need you, and everybody talks about your ideal avatar, but let's make sure they can afford you. And what do you want them to pay, right? Based on your overhead and based on your expenses. Mm, you know, there's, I mean, you, you said a lot there, but in the very beginning, you talked about um, blessing your bills. And it's so interesting that you say that because for a while, I was writing, putting thank you notes when I sent the checks in for like the water bill, the electric bill. I wrote little thank you notes that said, thank you for providing us with electricity, the Gaddis family, right? And I did that just to try to change my mindset that it was bills, like, th like this was something that I was paying, right? And, it, and just the other day, I noticed I had on my computer, I had a tab and I had it called bills. And I was like, what am I doing? Why does this say bills? So... I changed it to um, investments into a good life. And it sounds, you know, it sounds kind of, you know, that sounds kind of cheesy, I guess. But like for me, it makes a, a big difference. So it's really interesting for me to hear you say that. And then, of course, all the other things you said about determining your pricing, knowing what's pricing for you, all that stuff, I think so, so key, so important. And um, right. and who cares if it's cheesy? It works for you. Some people think my prayer is cheesy. Who cares? Who cares if it's cheesy that <laughs> yeah. I pray over my bills? Who cares if you think it's cheesy? I pay over my, we pay my infusion stop. Look, but all I know is money keeps coming in. 
<laughs> so, no, Tom, let's be cheesy together. I don't care. Like whatever That's right. works to be in the place of grace and gratefulness, right? It, we're so lucky to have lights. We're so lucky to have infrastructure. I just got back from Costa Rica. It's so nice to have organized highways. <laughs> and like I, yeah. I, I appreciate my taxes. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I say all the time, and I think I actually did a podcast episode where I talked about this, that success really didn't start for me until I really became truly grateful for what I already had. Yeah. And I wasn't really just chasing something when I was like, you know what, my life is pretty good. You know, I, I like how my life is. And once I became grateful for what I already had, it's like all of a sudden other things started to open up. This episode of What's the Secret Podcast is sponsored by Offline Sharks. Offline Sharks, where website designers, social media experts, SEO professionals can get custom software tools and training on how to quickly scale and grow their digital agencies. If you're looking to build reoccurring revenue into your agency and go from one to two clients to six figures and beyond, Offline Sharks is the place to do it. So head over to offlinesharks.com forward slash Tom and start growing your agency today. You know, one thing I wanted to ask you about too, Susie, is, you you know, you mentioned in the intro that you, uh, you know, 10 businesses to $10 million, right? And uh, I know over all those businesses, all those growths, I mean, I know just the growing pains we've experienced, uh, you know, just going from, you know, 500,000 to a million and then to 2 million in our business. And uh, like, what are, what are some of the, like, what are some of the growing pains, maybe even some of the failures that you learned the most from growing those businesses to 10 million or more? I think the most important is people. And I know everybody says it, but when you realize you cannot grow a $10 million company on your back, and so I would, I used to be the hammer. <laughs> I grew up in the eighties where it was old school management. Like you were the hammer, right? You mm-hmm. were the boss of everything and really realizing that my job now, my number one customer is my team. My number two is the customer that pays our bills, right? And buys our programs and to go, how do I empower them to make decisions on their own, right? To be a leader in their department. Even my executive assistant, she was, you know, feeling like I'm just an executive assistant. I'm like, dude, if that's your attitude, this is not going to work for you. I need you to see yourself as running this organization. That's who I see you as. One day, you can groom yourself. If you do the work and you do what you need to do, you could run this organization. Now, that's going to take a lot of work on your side, but please don't look at yourself as just an administrative assistant. I was just a hairdresser, right? And nobody put a cap on me. I said, I'm going to make more money, right? That's why I never had a J-O-B because nobody can be the boss of me. (laughs) (laughs) And so it truly is finding really amazing people. And again, people go, I can't afford them. Well, money is actually the third value when it comes to people choosing to work. Number one is culture, the culture that they work for. Number two is do they get acknowledged for the job that they're they're doing? And number three is money. Right. So it's not even the first two values of why people work for you. Work life balance is more important. Right. To find out what motivates each person, because each person's a little bit differently. In my history of building companies, 
we ended up choosing to hire new people because their skill set wasn't able to take us to the next level. A million dollar business is completely different than two million. And so if you don't build your muscle as a team member, or if you're not helping your team members grow, it costs me 38% to replace that person in their compensation to replace it with a new person. In, in CEO and C-suite and manager roles, it's a 400% increase I've got to spend to replace that person versus what if I took that same money and invested in their education? What if I took that same money and invested in them being in certain meetings with me? What if I took that same money instead of churning through people going, how do I groom people to grow with me versus I'm like, you got to go. You, you just don't have the skill set. Now, sometimes we outgrow people, but if you create that culture from the beginning, you'll find you'll groom people to grow up with you because, you know, people are amazing if you allow them to be amazing and people are a pain in the butt if you allow them to be a pain in the butt. I always tell my team, look, if I have to tell you how to do your job, one of us isn't needed. So choose. <laughs> and we all know who that person is, right? Go be the leader because everybody interviews well. Everybody like interviews well and they're amazing. And then they get hired and then they just slack off because we don't hold them accountable. And I think that for me was the hardest thing in learning how to manage people because accountability meant I had to be the boss of something versus wait, maybe I can hold you accountable and empower you to take action. Right. So really looking at what structures do you need to put in place to allow people to excel for you and empower them to excel. Like that's delicious. That's a fun challenge. Right. Yeah. Did you find, did it get any, as you grew, you know, as you grow that first company and then the second one, then the third and so on and so on, did you find that, did it get any easier? Did success get any easier or was it, you know? Well, you have kids, right? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I have two teenage daughters. <laughs> it's never easier. It's just different. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the best way. Because I remember as a young mom going, oh my God, I can't wait till they get older. It'd be so much easier. No, it's just different. <laughs> so I think the difference now is I, I understand what's coming, right? So building it to the million, that's cake, right? Building it to three million, cake. Building to five million. Now you start getting into the nuances of, is it still relevant, right? And with the changing market, you have to make sure that you stay relevant. I think that's the hardest thing is going, how do I create that residual income? How do I create that automated money? And how do I stay relevant so that I can keep that train going? Now, having a $5 million company may not be the profit play. At the end of the day, we want more profit as business owners. So I want to make sure that if you're growing a business, your profitability is growing at the rate of the business. That doesn't happen with most entrepreneurial businesses. We focus on the top line. We don't focus on the bottom line. So I want to make sure whether you're growing, you're doing 100 grand, you're going to 500 grand, that we still manage your profitability. I want 25% minimum. 88% of small businesses aren't profitable. And out of the other percentage that's left over, that percentage, they're not even paying themselves a proper paycheck. So that means that if I go work for somebody, I'll make more money doing that job than I would working for myself. That's ridiculous. But again, we just don't know that as entrepreneurs, right? My job, my goal is to take your blinders off to go, if you're going to build this business, build a lifestyle. It's business supposed to give us freedom, supposed to give us more cash flow, supposed to give us an opportunity that a job cannot, right? So let's put that in place from day one, wherever day one, make day one now to go, you know what? I haven't focused on profitability. I've just been focused on growing the, the gross sales. 
And I did that too as an entrepreneur. My first business was a salon and spa. And I'm like, I'm making a million bucks, but I have no money left over. Now I was paying myself 120 grand, which was fine. But the reality was there's still no money left. So that's not a profitable business. I just own a job. It's an expensive job. So I had a really, that's when I got into the pricing formula. So I'm like, why are we working so hard? I don't understand. Something is off. And I think each business, Tom, has gotten me to see what was off. To go, oh, I've got to look at it this way. Oh, I've got to add profitability in there. Oh, I've got to add all my costs in there. So I've created spreadsheets. Again, because I don't want to be a ding-dong. Like, let me just put a formula in place, right? You can do a base price formula. You can do, um, I have a pricing calculator that I'm just looking at. What's your wholesale? What's your retail? Right? And wholesale and retail still have profit in them. Wholesale still has profit in it. But that's your wiggle room between wholesale and retail, not uh, I'm just going to give someone a discount. Well, why? And are you still making money if you give them a discount? You know, sometimes we need to give a discount. Sometimes you're doing incentives. Sometimes you're getting a discount just to get money in the door. And I appreciate that and respect that. But if you're getting money in the door but losing money, that's a tragedy. I had a client, Kathy, who was a publisher. And for every book she published, she was losing $500. So it would be equivalent to going, Tom, I'm going to publish your book and here's $500. Right. It was just cash flow. It was this mysterious cash flow. I'm like, dude, you're losing money every time you sign a book deal. Like, let's turn that around so that one, you're making money. Two, you're paying for all your overhead. She's like, well, I can't charge that much. I'm like, but you're going out of business either way. So you either charge that much and may, maybe it'll work. But right now, you're just playing this shell game. There's no money there. That's why you're bleeding. You know, and I think we get we get so confused. Cash flow can be deceiving, right? We really need to look at what's our profit model inside of your business. Yeah, so so true. Well, look, I know listeners um, have gotten a lot of value out of what we talked about so far. I want to highly recommend that you go check out Susie's book. Uh, I'm going to ask Susie for a link here in a minute where you can find out more information on her. But I would recommend you go over to Amazon, grab it, power your profits. Uh, how to take your business from 10,000 to 10 million. I think it'll be a great read for you. But Susie, before we tell people where they can get more information, what would be the summary or takeaway that you'd want someone listening to this episode to like actually take away and do? Like what's one thing they could actually go and do that might get them going in the right direction? I want to get really clear on what your revenue goal is. Not an idea. I don't want you to just put a million. If you're going to put a million, what do I need to, and that's $8,888.88 every single month, right? Over and over and over again to hit that number, 88,000, sorry, right? So I think people just look at, oh, I'm going to do a million. Well, how, right? And what are we selling and how are we selling? I get really crystal clear. Nine times out of 10, why I'm so successful with my clients is I just get them clear, right? Quit getting, quit being so with your head in the sand. Just go, wow, here's how many clients I need. Here's how much money I need. And don't, and don't worry about feeling like I'm being greedy, right? Like we're supposed to live and dream, right? We, we still, right now, live in a country that we get to sign our own paycheck, right? We still have the opportunity to create wealth. And in the downtimes is when more wealth is built. So I want you to look at how can you be the solution for somebody else's pain? And then that needs to be paid for. When I think some of us, because we do what we do and it's such a gift and it's so natural, we don't value it. But for somebody else, like if you don't like money and you don't like doing that, like you start listening to me and you're like, she really likes that. I think I need to work with her because it's fun for her. 
or somebody else is like poke a needle in my eye, I want to cry or get a migraine every time you talk about money. <laughs> let's make it fun. And the same thing, whatever your vocation is. And then let's reward you, highly reward you for that. Right. That's our, I, I always say that wealth is our birthright. Right. It's not for some of us. It's for all of us. And I, this was not deemed to me. I didn't grow up in this environment. I created that from nothing. I created it because I knew I didn't want to be poor. <laughs> that was the reality, right? Everything in my house was brown. So I'm like, I don't want brown. <laughs> so, <laughs> we had nine kids. So nine kids, 11 people in a household. Everything's brown because everything's dirty all the time. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Susie, where can listeners go to find out more about you and what you have going on? Yeah, so you can go to my website at Susie Carter, C-A-R-D as in dollar or dinero, E-R. And you can find me on social media just by my name, Susie Carter, the profit coach, right? My goal is to help you win and win big financially so that you can have a life that you deserve and that you only dream of. Awesome. I will put that link on the show notes page as well. And uh, Susie, thanks again for taking time to come and join me today. I really appreciate it. Tons of value. If you enjoyed this episode of What's the Secret Podcast and you enjoyed what Susie had to say, go leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. We appreciate that. Again, you can find all of the links and anything mentioned over at TomGaddis.com. Susie, thanks again for being with me today and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And listeners, we'll see you next week on another episode of What's the Secret Podcast. Once again, thank you so much for carving out the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. If you found it helpful, then please share it with someone else. Just simply share the link or post it on Facebook and say, check this out. Really make my day if you did that. Also, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already so every podcast gets sent straight to you and you don't have to go searching for it. Again, my name's Tom Gaddis, and I'll see you next week on What's the Secret Podcast. Aloha for now, everyone.